So welcome back to the series of videos on the Dhammapada. Uh, today I will continue with verses 3 and 4. But first I'd like to make a correction to the first video about the first verse, uh, wherein I said uh, that the reason the Buddha gave this teaching was because of uh, this monk's um, killing all these, these insects unknowingly and then the monks were saying that he had done a bad deed and the Buddha said that he indeed didn't and he explained that uh, suffering only follows from um, bad intentions. But actually the going over it again I, saw, I realized that actually specifically the Buddha gave the teaching in regards to the reason why this monk went blind in the first place which was because in a past life he had uh, out of revenge for a woman uh, he had treated he was a, he was a doctor who had given this treatment to a woman and out of revenge for her trying to cheat him he gave her something that would make her blind and as a result of that bad deed it came back to him it was stuck in his mind because he must have felt very guilty as a doctor he was a good doctor and feeling guilty about it and you know it's something that he naturally would feel guilty about uh, and so it eventually caught up to him and he realized what a horrible thing he had done and it, it, um, uh, it, it conditioned this life for him to have to, to go blind. So um, that's the, the origin. Then after that the Buddha said, oh, you see, yeah, you can never escape your bad deeds. Um, but it, it does go both ways. I mean, obviously the, the, there's reference to the fact that um, this Chakupala wasn't guilty for uh, for the killing that he had done or for the the death of the insects but he was on the other hand guilty for something that he intended to do to hurt this woman and so he got the results of it uh, but I'm not going into these stories uh, so much I just wanted to correct something that I had said um, I'm going to try to stick to a very simple version of the stories and, and stick and place more emphasis on the meaning of the verses and how they apply to our lives because I think that is of more importance. So, in this next story is the same. It's a very simple story but it's extended and I'm going to avoid the extension. So verses 3 and 4. Number 3 goes, Akochimang awadimang ajinimang ahasime yejatang upanayhanti and verse 4, almost the same. Akochimang awadimang achinimang ahasime yejatang nupanayhanti verangte supasamati. Which means, Akochimang awadimang achinimang ahasime. This is a quote. He or she or this person. Um, scolded me, they hurt me, they beat me, they defeated me, you know, they destroyed me. A person who clings or, or grasps on or, or is bound, binds themselves to these thoughts. For them, their quarrels never cease, are never appeased, are never tranquilized, are never finished. But, akochi mang awadi mang atini mang ahasi me he 
he hurt me, you know, he scolded me, he beat me, he hurt me, he defeated me. For a person who doesn't cling to these thoughts, Vairangte Supasamati, their quarrels are appeased and their quarrels are tranquilized, they're finished. No, they're, the problems they have with people are solved, are worked out. These two verses were given in regards to a monk named Fat Tissa. Tissa who was very fat. He was quite overweight or um, yeah, he had quite a lot of weight and he became a monk late in, in life and rather than practicing meditation he uh, took to a very indulgent monk's life. He was a, a relative of the Buddha so he was quite spoiled and being a part of the royalty and uh, also because of his conceit because he was related to the Buddha he didn't bother to exert himself in the practice of meditation. He just would sit around and uh, make a general nuisance of himself. Which, uh, in fact, you do find in monasteries even today, believe it or not. Uh, and so uh, there was one occasion where he was sitting in the uh, reception sala, I guess, in the middle of the monastery. Maybe it wasn't a sala, but in the very middle where you would expect visitors to come. And so these visiting monks came, who were actually quite senior, but were younger than him, uh, because he had ordained when he was old. And they thought, uh, well, maybe he's an old monk, so they, uh, senior monk, so they came and came up to him. They saw that he was just sitting there looking proud, and so they came and paid respect to him and asked politely who he was and so on, and how many years he had been a monk. And... Uh, he told them years, he said, years, I, I've just ordained, I don't have any years as a monk. And they said, well then, then how, how can you act like this? How can you just sit there? When, when visiting monks come, it's very important, there's a protocol. If, if the receiving monk, someone who, who sees a monk coming, is junior to the approaching monk, then they have a responsibility to take care of them, to take their bowl, to bring them water, to show them to a room, and so on, and to to make sure that they're well well taken care of and to, to pay respect to them. And so they said, how come you're not following this protocol? You're not behaving like a proper monk. And they said, that's not appropriate. And he said, huh, who are you? You think, who do you think you are? He said, who, who? He, said, he snapped his fingers, this kind of a rude gesture in the, of the times in, in India. And they said, oh, well, we've come to see the Buddha. And he said, huh, and you think you can you can uh, you can say nasty things. He was very very upset actually. He was very spoiled, and so he said, "Who do you think you are? You you, you know who I am. I'm the relative of the Buddha. I'm his cousin, something like that." And he was very upset, and so he went to see the Buddha, and he started complaining. He started crying to the Buddha, and he said, "These men have scolded me, and they've they've abused me." And the Buddha said, uh, "Well, what did you do?" He said, "Well, I was just sitting there and." Well, and did you receive them when they came? No. Did you take their bowls? No. Did you show them? And so on and so on. No, no. And the Buddha said, well, then you're, you yourself are to blame. You're the one who, who was acting inappropriately. And, uh, and, he, and the Buddha said, you should apologize to them. And he said, apologize? What do you mean? They abused me. I will not apologize. So he's very obstinate. So the Buddha told the story of the past life of this monk, the monks remarked how obstinate he was, and the obstinate he was. The Buddha said, "Oh, he's been like this for a long time. It's it's 
kind of a habit of his that extend an extended habit and so he told the story of the past life and uh, where um, he was they were there were these two ascetics in a room together and uh, one of them was sleeping in front of the door and one of them was sleeping inside because it was a small room and the one inside noticed that this monk had, had, had put his head down here but in the middle of the night this monk got up and put his head the other way turned around to sleep the other way and the monk inside had to go outside to the washroom and he, he so he went around where he thought the monk's feet were and ended up stepping on his hair and uh, so the monk was very he said was very angry and the, the monk other monk said oh I'm sorry or the ascetic the other ascetic said oh I'm sorry I didn't mean to and he so he went outside and on the on the way when he was out the monk said I'm not going to let him do that again and so he he flipped over and put his head the other way again back to where it originally was and the other monk came back and thought to himself okay I'll avoid stepping on his head so he went around to the other side and ended up ste stepping on the guy's neck ah there was a big fight that ensued and he said well look you had your head there what are you doing changing all the time how can I know where your head is it's dark I don't have a clue I don't have flashlights uh, but the monk, but the monk wasn't to be the ascetic wasn't to be appeased, and he was very angry, and he held on to this, and he 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 made a big fuss over it, and he actually cursed the other ascetic, and then they were, they were cursing back and forth, and and uh, so on and so on. It's a long story. I don't want to get into it, but the point being that um, people do hold on to these things, and this is important because this is what the Buddha emphasized. He didn't say don't have these thoughts. He doesn't say uh, for a person who has these thoughts because it's, th th these thoughts are wrong it's wrong for us to think like this why, why is it wrong? It's, it's unpleasant it creates suffering for us and it builds up a bad habit but what the Buddha is saying here is actually a little more specific he's saying don't cling to them he says for a person who who is bound to them like a, the word is like the same as word we use for the use in Pali for a sandal when you bind together uh, a sandal, uh, the bound, the, the rope of the, of the sandal, or so on. So when you're bound, when you're tied to these things, when you're caught up in these thoughts, when you cling to them, basically, this is this is what where your problems never cease. Because the the point here that I think is important is that we do have problems. We do have disagreements. I mean, I've gotten angry at people. We, we get angry at people. We have, uh, you know, people do things we don't like and, and we get angry at them, we get upset at each other. A good example is with our, our families. We, when our parents tell us to do something or our parents criticize us, we can become very angry, even to the point where we yell at them and where we say nasty things and, and really hurt our parents. It can, it can cause greater hurt for them or suffering for them. And we suffer ourselves and so on. But what we won't do is cling, generally speaking, in an ordinary family situation we won't cling to it so the next day or the next moment we'll forget about it because we don't have this clinging to them but we aren't this way in all cases and there is the case where in, as with this monk Tissa he clung to it and, and he couldn't get over his own anger his own upset at being criticized it's very difficult to be criticized it's very difficult for young monks new monks to be criticized because they can be very proud of the fact that now they're in a special state and now they have some kind of special lifestyle and people respect them and look up to them and give them free food and, and shelter and so on. 
And so they can be very proud of that instead of putting it to good use and really making themselves into uh, something worthy of it. Uh, and so this is where the problem arises with the conceit and with the clinging to it where you become self-righteous and you say, I don't deserve that and, and, uh, and so on. You don't even, there's not even the ration, rational thought there where you think, you know, are they right, are they wrong, and, and if they're wrong then you can say, well, I don't deserve that, and you can reply to them. For instance, um, this Tissa, he had this complaint to the Buddha, and he said to the Buddha, you know, these monks have done something nasty. Well, the Buddha did, did respond. It's not that the Buddha just said, oh, yes, yes, uh, you know, letting him walk all over the Buddha, walk all over these monks, letting him get away with it. The Buddha was quite clear that he was wrong. And we can do that. If someone criticizes us and says we did something wrong, we can say, no, I didn't do anything wrong, based on, on our rational thought. But we don't do this generally. Generally, we say, we, we, don't, we don't think about, we just, do, out of anger, we refuse any criticism, become upset, and we become self-righteous. And it festers in the mind. This is what gives rise to grudges and, and enmity and, and feuds, war. Uh, when we build hate in our mind, and, and it's a self-righteous, egotistical hate, this is how religious wars are fought. Um, it's not because we're angry at each other. If you look at ideological wars in, in the world where um, you know, we, this country comes to hate that country, and, and our whole mindset is that this country is evil, this country is bad. Many people feel this way about about America, and so you know, they, they've cultivated this evil, and that's what happened this uh, all this terrorism that's that's been been a fear of the American people. I mean, to some extent, it's justified because there's a lot of people out there who don't like, who, who just have this 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 uh, anger towards this country as a whole. As an example, and, and and you have this throughout the world. You have you know our prejudices against people and so on. But we build this up. Uh, we build this up quite often, and this is what we have to be careful about, because we will have fights, we will have um, disagreements, and we will get angry at each other until we get to the point where we are able to see that anger is unpleasant and, and unuseful and, and able to get rid of it entirely. Uh, but what is dangerous and what is a, a hindrance to our path towards giving up the anger is this attachment, this clinging to it. It, it covers up the whole nature of the anger. Uh, it's, it prevents you from actually looking at the anger for what it is. When you're angry and then you say, I don't, you know, I, this is right that I'm anger, angry, these people deserve my wrath and so on, then you're, you're justifying it and you're, you're, you're covering it up. It's like you, you have this, this great, this great uh, suppose you have this, this ball of, of, of hot iron or you have this, this hot coal and, it, and you're holding it in your hand and you say this, and, and this is, and it's hurting you. And so you grab it and you say, what is it that's hurting me? What is it that's hurting me? And you say, you know, you're looking for the, for the cause outside of yourself when actually it's right here. You know, when, when you have this person who's, who's causing you suffer, causing you to get angry, and then you say, you're the cause, you're the reason why I'm suffering. And you're not looking at what you're holding here, you're holding the, the anger. You're holding on to these thoughts. It's actually these thoughts that's making us suffer. We have to be very careful because this, the, the, the anger itself is not so dangerous. It's, it's unpleasant, but it's not the, it's not the real problem. Uh, the danger in the anger is, is 
with the ego that comes al along with it. That if we have ego and we, we attach our ego to the anger and it becomes self-righteous and we, we, every time we think of a person we are upset by them, we are angry, we're, we, we have hate towards people or we have a grudge towards people, uh, we're biased against people and so on. This is what, every time we see them, everything they do will be uh, you know, something we can criticize. We'll always be looking for, they did that wrong and so on. And every t when they do things good, we'll feel upset. You know, when good things happen to them, we'll be upset. When they act in a good way, we'll, we'll try to minimize it and so on. And we'll create great suffering for ourselves. This is uh, a very important lesson. And it's in general a very important lesson with the, defile with the defilements of the mind. That they're really not that bad, you know, greed, anger, greed, let's say greed and anger, they're, they're not that big of a deal, you know, you can watch them and you can look at them, but the problem is we don't. The problem is we never learn about these things. You know, people think pleasure is such a great thing, you know, attaching to things is so great when you have sensual pleasure and sexual pleasure and so on, we think it's so great because we cling to it, because we, there's the idea that I like this, I want this and so on. But if we actually just looked at the pleasure when it came up, instead of saying, okay, I have to get this, if we just looked at the wanting of it, if we, if we just examined it for what it, what it is, we see that actually it's quite a bit of stress, actually. It's this tension. And the only way you can relieve that tension is either by seeing it and letting it go, or by chasing after and getting what you want, and then saying, ah, now I don't need it anymore. So the, the, the happiness doesn't come from the wanting, it comes from getting, from, from giving up the wanting, either in one of two ways. Uh, the problem, of course, with following it is that you're, develop, you're encouraging it, and uh, you're, you're developing, developing it more and more. You know, you're clinging more and more. And there's no, there's no understanding of, of the problem with it. Now the same goes with anger. When you're, when, when you're angry at someone, it, it's, it's suffering, yes, but uh, it's actually not such a big deal until you until you do what Tissa does and you you come to identify with the anger and identify a, a source of the anger in another person that they are the cause of the problem that the problem is not the, the anger the problem is the other person so the real problem is our delusion and our ignorance this is why the Buddha said avidya pachaya sangara all sankharas all formations in the mind all judgments here sankara here means our judgments our um, partialities our projections that we we place on things these are all caused by ignorance it's ignorance that is the root uh, and so that's really what this verse is talking about is it's the delusion it's the the the, the uh, identification with the um, these thoughts that is the problem and the our defilements are in different levels there is the um, misperception of something as uh, as pleasant or unpleasant which comes to us all in, you know, until you get to f fully enlightened you, know, you still will have this perception of something as being pleasant or unpleasant so something comes, oh that's nice or something comes and that's not nice and this is just a, a feeling that you get you know, if something is, oh this is experienced as pleasant this is experienced as unpleasant the next level is our thoughts and this is this is what he's talking about here is this thought, oh this is un thinking, no, that's unpleasant, thinking this, this is pleasant. So person says something to you and think, oh, he's hurting me, or oh, he's, he's abusing me. You know, this person's saying nasty things, you think, oh, that person's saying nasty things. This is at the thought level. 
But the worst one is the views, when you have a view about it. That is good, this is bad. Pleasure is good, pleasure, uh, um, pain is bad, and so on. And so this is when you when you identify, when you build up this this I and and uh, you you us and them, you know, me and you, you hurt me and so on. When we build this up, this is what really really causes problems. Because as I said, it obscures the the nature of the experience. The only way we can come to be free is if we are able to see the nature of the anger, the nature of the greed, and be able to work out for ourselves ourselves what is truly right for us. The only way we can work out what is truly right is by seeing the individual experience. And we can't do this if we're clinging. We can't do this if we are um, if we have some some idea or identification uh, with the object as, as me and mine and so on. Okay, so I think I've gone over that enough. Uh, and uh, this is a, a fairly important teaching. It helps us to, I think this will help us in our practice because it also helps us to accept uh, and uh, to allow to come up the bad things in our mind. You know, greed and anger are bad, but the only way we're going to come to see that they're really and truly bad is if we let them come up. We can't just say it's bad, it's good. And, uh, until we have wisdom and are able to see clearly, what is it? Is it good? Is it bad? not from here, thinking and so on, and, and, and not because I say or because the book says, but simply by seeing it for yourself. So you don't have this view that, well, I think anger is good, well, I think greed is good, and then, or you don't have the idea that, oh, um, yutta dhammo said it's bad, yutta dhammo said it's good, and so on. You know for yourself. And only when you know for yourself are you going to be able to see it. You're going to be able to let go of it and overcome it. And you will never be able to do this, again, as I've said again and again now, never be able to do this if you're clinging to it, if you're holding on to it. And therefore, veirang tesang nasamati, the quarrels, the problems that that person encounters will never cease. So thanks for tuning in. This has been another verse, and all the best.